0: some of that chicken? Oh man, that chicken was good. Pork was okay too, but chicken was really good. So if they can have their graduation party anytime they want, as long as they give me some of that chicken. This morning, or this evening, let's take a look at Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. We're going to wrap up the book tonight. <clears throat> Again, want to remind you, we're reading what would have been... Uh, A monologue delivered by a narrator and one man show, one man actor. The one man in the midst that we're going through, Coalette's sayings are all a philosophy apart from God. And it's intended to be a foil, something that you lay aside the truth and you see, oh, look here. We see, we take God out of the equation and life becomes what Coalette says, what the preacher says, what's he saying? Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's meaningless. It's not a purpose. There's no foundation. We lost. The foundation's been eroded. And then in the beginning and at the end, you have a narrator introducing first what's going on. The preacher, Colette, he's going to come up and he's going to share a philosophy of life under the sun. And then he sums it up. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. When we get to the end... The narrator is going to do the same thing and then give us the the point or the purpose of it all. So if you want to read it together with me, we'll pick it up in chapter 11. He says, "'Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth.'" And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that. Or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know... For all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart, put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. For before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, And the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors of the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel (coughs) broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he spoke the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings that are given by a shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, for of the making of many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, and every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's pray. Father, we lift this time to you. God, we pray that you would lead us. In your word, God, guide us in your truth. Father, open our eyes to what the scripture is laying out for us. Help us to see the context of the book and and hear the, the story that's going on behind the scenes. God, give us a clarity of vision and understanding. God, be glorified and magnified as we lift this time to you. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we start in chapter 11, we're talking about This idea of risk and uncertainty. The reality is something that Coalette, the preacher, he's been talking about. He's been talking about it all throughout the book. You may remember Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into the man's heart. Yet so he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So Colette's idea is we don't know the future. We can't know what's going to happen. We can't know what's coming. And, and uh, the, the uncertainty of life. The uncertainty of where what's around the next bend. In Ecclesiastes 8.17, <coughs> Colette said this, I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. So the idea, no matter how much we seek to know, we can't know, we can't understand, we can't comprehend. Ecclesiastes 9.11 He said, again I saw under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor does bread go to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happened to them all so his idea as we come as we work our way through to wrap up his thought is life is full of risk and uncertainty and you can't really know what's going to happen so in 11.1 he says cast your bread on the water now what happens when you throw bread on the water okay will you find it after many days no you throw your bread on the water what happens it gets soggy and sinks or the ducks eat it right or maybe some fish But what he's elaborating on is, you can't even be guaranteed that if you throw your bread on the water, it's not going to be there when you come back. Life is so uncertain. Life is so random that there's no, the concept is that there is no uniformity in life. Now, if what Coalette says is true, then you couldn't have science. Why couldn't you have science? Because science, the study of science, guys, demands some form of uniformity, right? Something has to be, in order to be proved, it has to be repeated, right? Tested, repeated, that's what leads us to the proof within science. But if there's no uniformity, if you're not guaranteed tomorrow the sun's going to come up around the same time, that the sun's going to go down, that the basic necessities of life are uniform. That's something we see in life all around us. But Colette's philosophy won't allow him to have that. Why? Because he has philosophy of life under the sun. He has already said that there is a God, but that God so far away, he hasn't spoken to our lives. He hasn't revealed himself to us. We can't know anything. Again, once your philosophy takes God out of the equation, you are left with nothing. And that's what Colette says. So cast your water. Cast your bread on the water. You'll find it... You know, there's a chance. You come back and the bread may still be there. Give a portion to seven or maybe to eight. For you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. So he's saying, hey, give. Give give to seven or to eight. Pass these things out. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. No idea what may come, what may take place. Life is absolutely uncertain. So you might as well take whatever risk you want because you have no way of knowing whether something will turn out right. Or something will turn out wrong. Look at verse three. And if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. So we're gonna see two examples of nature. One is inevitable and one is random. Look at it. If a cloud is full of rain, they're out there right now, ain't they? They're gonna sooner or later, it's gonna rain somewhere, right? Probably on my bike because I don't have my cover on. But if I had my cover on, it'd probably be okay. It's okay, but it's speaking of the inevitability. If we have clouds full of rain, what's going to happen? Rain, right? Rain will happen eventually. They empty themselves on earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, who can know, right? A tree's going to fall whatever way it falls. In the place where the tree falls, that's where it'll sit. Right? It's not going to change its position. Tree falls to the north, it's not going to get up, move over, and fall to the south. So you have this idea, the tree, the tree can fall, there's randomness to what we see in nature, and there's inevitability. But what's the point in each place? You don't have any control over either. If you're walking through the woods, I actually found out, you guys, maybe you've heard the saying, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make any sound? Well, last year I was hunting, and a tree fell in the woods, and I heard it. So I can answer that question, yes, if a tree falls in the woods, it does make a sound. And I had no control over which way it went. Right? It just come crashing down. I was just glad it didn't land on me. So there's the point is, there is randomness and inevitability in nature. This is what Coalette sees. as He looks at life. He says there's inevitability and there's randomness in nature, but you have no control over it. I have no control over it. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. Now what he's saying is if you if all you do is look out at the signs you're never going to do anything. Cuz you're going to look outside and see black clouds and say, "Well, if I if I if I try to harvest, it's going to rain on me, ruin the crop, or the winds blowing, if I go out to plant, it's going to blow the seed away." The point that he's making is if we look at nature and the inevitability and the randomness of nature, we'd never do anything. We'd never do anything. What what the bottom line is When it's time to harvest, sometimes you just got to go do it. Whether the wind is blowing, whether the rain is falling. The point is that the events of nature control us and not the other way around. We can't make the wind blow how we want it to, right? If we could, how many of us would, would send the rain away so we could have another sunny day? Right? Almost every time I get on the bike and go for a ride, the clouds come. It's crazy. If I'm working on the fence in the backyard, it's sunny and hot. If I say, you know, I'm not going to work on the fence today, I'm going to go get on a bike, it rains. But it never seems to work out the other way around. Now, if I could, I'd say, you know what? What we need when we're working on the fence is more more clouds. It gives you shade. Yeah? What I need when I ride the bike is a little more sun. But I can't control either of those things. And this is what Colette is pointing to. He's saying, look, we we don't control these things. Look at verse 5. As you do not know the way that the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. His point is, which of us can point to, there's nothing that we can point to as the moment that the soul enters. In fact, there's still endless debate on it, right? I mean, I think the Bible says at conception there's there's a soul, but the concept that of the Bible doesn't seem to enter into people's lives. And Coalette, what has he put out? He's put out that God has ever revealed himself to men. We can't know him, so we can't really know when does life begin. But the word of God tells us when life begins. See, Coalette's premise is faulty because he has life under the sun apart from God there is no God, you tell me when life starts. Take a breath, think a thought, heartbeats. If you leave God's revelation in the equation, when does life begin? We don't have to argue about it. God says, from conception. That's life. He is the God of life. But Colette's saying, we can't know. We can't know when these things happen. Neither can we know the work that God's doing. Now listen, what the Bible teaches us is that the God of the universe does, um, does reach into our lives, has revealed Himself to us. And He has shown us what He has revealed to us through His Word. The Word of God. We have it. There's nothing else like it. When we come to the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, we understand what it is that God's doing, how God's working. We can begin... To find our way. That was what the book of Proverbs was about, right? Street signs. How do I know if I'm walking a, a righteous life? Pay attention to the street signs. Are you walking in wisdom, following the Lord? Or are you walking in accordance with this world? But Colette has removed that equation. And as such, he's lost his rigging. He's no longer attached. He's just blowing around with the wind. Wherever the wind's going to carry him. And when life is like that, doesn't life feel random? Just one more random occurrence after another? No meaning, no understanding to any of it? In verse 6 he says, In the morning you sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you don't know what will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So again, Colette's idea. We can't know anything that's going on. So the, why does that matter? Because Colette's big point is, as I made a, a look or a journey to understand the meaning of life, I came up with this idea, life is meaningless. And the narrator comes at the end of Colette's speech and says, life is meaningless because you don't have God. Because you're dealing with life under the sun. He takes a look at youth. He's going to take a look at youth in verse 7. He says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. So it almost sounds like he's happy for a minute. Hey, man, enjoy life. He's going to continue to go to this. There's no meaning to life, so enjoy the little things in life. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Find happiness where you can. He says, let him rejoice in them all, but then look at the next phrase. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. Hey, you know what? Enjoy life, but it's going to be really hard and tragic and difficult. So keep a a handle on the idea the concept that darkness is going to be everywhere. All that comes is vanity. Meaningless. Life is meaningless. So far we've had 11 chapters. right of life is meaningless life is meaningless life is meaning why because i let go of my anchor i let go of my anchor and i'm drifting the book of hebrews in hebrews chapter two says that we need to stay anchored to christ if we don't stay anchored to christ what happens is we begin to drift and if you are drift on the ocean you can go anywhere right Wherever the tide wants to take you. Wherever the waves or the wind wants to blow you. Wherever the current is moving. But the one thing you can't do is have any say in it. Because you've lost your anchor. And that's what's going on with Colette. He's lost his anchor. He's adrift in the ocean. And life is empty. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. And that's a direct contradiction to what God's Word teaches. God's Word teaches there is purpose. That there is a purpose to man. That you were created with a purpose in mind. That there is a path that God has called us to walk. And there is a way to know that path. But i got to keep my anchor. i got to stay anchored to the truth. If I surrender that anchor, me or Colette will be the same. I'll find myself adrift on the ocean with no real meaning or purpose in my life. And how much of the world lives their life that way? I mean, really, if we look at Colette's philosophy, isn't that the philosophy of the world today? We shout on other sides, one side or the other of the of the street at one another over ideas, but we can't ever come to a meeting. We can't ever discuss how those two ideas can be reconciled with one another. Why can't we? Because we've given up the foundation to truth. And if there's no foundation of truth, what makes your idea right and mine wrong? What makes mine right and yours wrong? Nothing. And we settle, the, we, we settle the argument the same way man has settled the argument for the past 10,000 years. How does man settle an argument? If the argument doesn't settle, what does he do? Sooner or later, somebody gets a big stick, right? Or a stone. Cain and Abel, that's the first one, Right? We settled that one with a stone. Nowadays, we settle them with guns. But either way you look at it, where we've, we've given up the foundation of truth. And when the foundation of truth is gone, what do you stand on? You stand where Colette stands. Who are you to tell me something's right or something's wrong? I'm going to just stand here. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. Life is meaningless. I'll do what I want. You do what you want. And pray we don't bump heads. This is the philosophy of Colette. So he's looking at the young man, and he's telling him, In youth, there's something to rejoice over. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Again, what's Colette's God? Kolet did not say that God doesn't exist. He just says, that God is not engaged with man. God's out there somewhere. There's, there's a force, there's a being out there somewhere, and, and one day there will be a judgment. God knows right from wrong. But he denies the afterlife. So what's the point of judgment? That's why he's going to say, Vanity of vanity, it's all meaningless. Because when you die, that's the end. That's Coalette's philosophy. Death ends it all. If death ends it all, then who cares? Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. As a young man, live how you want to live. Just know that that uh, that God will judge. God will bring into judgment. So he says, remove vexation. Or <clears throat> the idea is remove frustration from your heart. He says, don't be frustrated that life is all sideways. Put away pain from your body. Don't worry about the hurts and the, and the hang-ups of life. For youth and the dawn of life are, what's the word? Vanity meaningless. He says, hey, don't be frustrated, because it really doesn't matter. Don't worry about pain, because it really doesn't matter. We all end up in the same place, in the dirt. So we're going to live life the best we can, hope for the best that we can, that we can hope for, and, and we all go to the same place. So it doesn't really matter. Nothing really matters. So again, you have a group of people, just picture it, a group of people come into the city square, and the player, Colette, he's going to stand up in front. And the narrator's going to say, Hey everybody, come here, listen to the philosophy. Listen to this philosophy of the world. And he's going to describe vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And then the narrator's going to be quiet and all attention will be on Colette. And Colette's going to give out this. One sitting, he's going to give this out. In the city square, people are going to hear his philosophy. Some of it's going to resound with them. Some of it's going to confuse them. They're not really going to be able to grapple or understand all the aspects of it as they look and listen to the meaninglessness of this monologue as Colette gives it, as the preacher delivers it. And then the preacher's going to walk off the stage or away from that area where the people are gathered, and then their reader's going to come back out and say, is this really the philosophy you want to live your life by? Are you guys tracking with me? So that's what's going on in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, he's given us an example of a philosophy that leads away from the Lord. And we know that because at the summation of every one of his philosophies, what's he going to say? It's all meaningless. Is that what God says? There's 66 books in the Bible, right? So in the other 65 books of the Bible, does God say, you know what, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter how you live. Everything is meaningless. Or does God say the opposite? Did God look at Jeremiah when Jeremiah was called as a prophet to God? And did God say to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, when you were in your mother's womb, I had a plan for your life. And today you begin to fulfill it. That doesn't sound like meaninglessness and emptiness and vanity. That sounds like purpose. What does all of creation shout at us when we look at the world? Doesn't the world shout design? Design. How did How is it that our eyeballs just happen? We can't make a a camera on a phone work decent. You know your eye sees a million times better than any camera? That it can focus near and far until we get to a certain age and then we need help. But once upon a time, right? That the technology in your eye just randomly happened, but the guy who developed the camera (coughs) in your iPhone, we don't have a problem believing that he designed it, do we? And if he designed that camera, was there a purpose in the design? Or is it just random? They all sat around a box of parts and they added fire and gasoline and an explosion. And then voila, we got a phone, but there's no purpose to the phone. And we all know there's purpose to the phone. What's the purpose to the phone? The phone shows us so I can communicate with people, so I can contact people, so I can take pictures and have memories, so that I can utilize the technology that's all around us. There's purpose in it. Why? Because it shows design. Do you show less design than that? Your being. Your thoughts. Are your thoughts really just fizz like from a soda can? Because that's what some philosophies say. That there's no difference in the thought in your head and the chemical reaction when I shake up a soda and the fizz that comes off. That's all it is, brain fizz. But every one of us knows it's more than that. Every one of us knows there's something else going on. Everything around us screams design and purpose. But if we take God out of the equation, we're going to keep coming back to no purpose, no reason. Why am I here? Well, that's still the primary question of philosophy. We've been asking it to ourselves for more than 10,000 years. And if you take God out of the equation, you're never going to have an answer. Why am I here? You're here because God made you. And he has a purpose and plan for your life. And you will find fulfillment at the end of the rainbow when you walk In God's purpose for your life. So what is my purpose? To find that purpose. From God. And to walk in it. And when I do. My life's not meaningless. My life's full of purpose. And opportunity. That's the message of the word of God. That's a message. That we see throughout. But that's not the philosophy of Colette. Colette celebrates youth. Don't we celebrate youth today? Right? Who wants to be old? I don't even want to be old. I, I would rather have the lessons of my, my uh, elderliness, if that's a word, and go back to being a kid. Yeah? I remember I could walk upstairs, didn't hurt. I could go so fast on a motorcycle, fall off, bounce, get back up, get on the bike, and keep going. That don't happen no more. those things are, are all fading away, right? We have this celebration of youth. When the, so does, a, so does a Kohelet. Look what he says in 12.1. <clears throat> he says, remember also, the Creator, your Creator, in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and, draw, and years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So now he's going to have a poem. He's going to lay out a poem about what it's like to get old. And if you look, if you look at this section, you can see all the little metaphors, right? So the picture is there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming, and we're preparing for the storm. What's the storm? Storm's death. And, and we are pictured as a house. Look what he says. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. So before the darkness comes, before the end comes, celebrate those times. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. All I know is the older I get, the more shakes I find. Boy, I used to be able to hold a bow just as still as can be. And now, I just shoot it when whatever I'm supposed to hit passes in front of the, in front of the sight. And if there's somebody telling you, they, they, oh, I don't have to do that. Yeah, and you ain't old. But when you are, you'll pull that thing back. I can still pull it back, still pull back a, the full draw weight. All that's not a problem. But holding things still, that's a little bit iffy. So, what's he say? The keepers, <clears throat> the keepers of the house, they tremble. Look at the next one. The strong men are bent. Once upon a time, there was, there was, the older I get, the better I was, right? There's things I think, oh man, I remember when. You know, I get a flat tire and I just go pick up the car with my one hand and take the lug nuts off with the other, change it, didn't even need a jack back in those days. That's not the case anymore. Now, I think I can do it. I grab a hold of it, pick it up, and something in my back pops out. And it shoots pain down my right leg and then down my left leg and then, and then up into my neck and my shoulder and then for three weeks... I'm in pain. Why? Because I tried to pick up one thing. This is what he's describing. Old age. He's saying to the young, hey, remember your creator. Be thankful for for the vitality of life. Because one day, the storm's going to come. One day, you're going to tremble. One day, the strong backs are going to be bent. He goes on to talk about it. He says, the grinders will cease because they are few. Now, if he was actually talking about somebody 's job, <clears throat> that wouldn't make sense, right? If there are say a hundred grinders and now there's fifty, it seems to me you have to work harder. But it says the grinders are missing, and so they can't get to the work, then they can't they can't work anymore what's the grinders? your teeth yeah, I still got some of them. In my youth, I tried to knock out most of them in a variety of different things. So quite a few that are fake. And the older you get, the less you're going to have. I remember my grandma, when I was a kid, one of the funnest things to get grandma to do was what? Grandma, take out your teeth. And she'd laugh. Oh. <laughs> she'd spit out her dentures and all us kids would laugh. We'd come into grandma's, grandma lived with us for... Several years, so we'd run into grandma's room at night, and there on the table beside her bed, the TV on, she's trying to go to sleep, were her teeth. Well, come. Because, what's it say? It says, The grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows are dimmed. Yeah? The good news is, the older you get, you can't really tell all the things that are changing because your eyes are going with it. So I look in the mirror. I have no idea if I have horns growing out of my eyebrows or not. Because I can't see them. And if I put on my glasses, I can't clip them. So I have to go get Kathy. Kathy, come. I need manscaped. And she'll come in and she gets out her glasses. And she gets coming close to me with them scissors. a little nerve-wracking because I know she don't see too much better than I do. The light's going out the window. They're getting dim. This is what he's describing, right? You start as youth, celebrate your youth, but this day's coming. This day is coming for us all. What's he saying in verse four? And the doors on the street are shut. All of a sudden, your body stops doing the things it used to do. Stops doing the things it used to do. And the sound of the grinding is low. You start to see a loss of appetite. One rises up at the sound of the bird. All of a sudden, you can't sleep as much as you used to be able to sleep all the time. Now you, bing, you're wide awake at all weird times of the day. There you go, ready to roll. The sound of a bird rises you up, but the daughters of song are brought low. So while the song of the bird might get you up, you wake up at weird times. You can't hardly hear anything. So one of my favorite words to re- repeat of late is, What? What? Every once in a while, I try, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. But for whatever it sounded like was not really very close to whatever was being asked. And I, I'm pretty sure that everybody else is mumbling. But maybe not. Maybe the house is just breaking down. And this is what Colette's talking about. Hey, the house breaks down. They are afraid of what is high and the terrors on the way. Unnatural fear. My father is 70, he's got to be 76, somewhere in the neighborhood. My mom's 73. And my dad never leaves the house at all. Because he, all of a sudden, got a bunch of weird phobias. He'll be the first one to tell me. Yeah, Jackie, I got weird fears. I start to get all panicked when I get out of the house. And, and things are going on. These are some of the things that Coalette is describing. Yeah, these are some of the things that he's talking about. Strange fears. The almond tree blossoms. You guys know what color an almond tree blossom is? White. So what do you think that would be in the life of a young man getting old? Yeah, the hair starts to turn white. Right? We have a we have several silver foxes here at the at the church. Corey Beams, a silver fox, does not have one dark hair on his head no more. Uh, Bob Pappick was the silver fox. Same thing, no dark hair. was all black once. Now the almond blossoms have blossomed. The hair begins to turn white. Look at the next one he talks about. Not, the almond blossoms have blossomed, and the grasshopper drags itself along. What do you think that means? Yeah, we're not quite as hoppy as we used to be, are we? Just somehow, somewhere the frog stepped out. And so now we hobble a little bit more. We hobble a little bit more and that's only going to get worse. <laughs> Yay! <clears throat> so he says the grasshopper crawls along and if that's not enough it says the desire fails. It's actually the name, the, the word says desire is a treat. And the tree, it's, uh, um, I'm trying to remember what the tree is. I want to say copper tree, but that's not quite it. Cad- Cadbury tree, maybe? What's it? Somebody got King James? What does it say? Capperberry. So the cat, see, I was close. Cadbury, cap- anyway. Capperberry tree is uh, aphrodisiac. So when they say the Capperberry tree is uh, failing, what are they saying? Yeah, there's the, the the end of sexual intimacy. All that starts to go away. Well, you may still have intimacy. It's just not going to be the same anymore. Young guys, is what you got to look forward to. I hope I'm painting a bright, bright uh, uh, picture of your future. This is what Coalette's talking about, right? So he's trying to make everybody feel good. At the end of his speech, everybody just wants to go away. And what's the point of it all? Because man is going to his eternal home. What's his eternal home? The minute man is born, he begins to die. That's Kolet. So all you have to look forward to is death. He's going to his eternal home, and the mourners will go about in the streets. People will weep when you're gone. And that's it. That's all there is. Before the silver cord is snapped... Or the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain. Or the wheel is broken at the cistern. And dust returns to the earth. What are we made of? From the dust we have been made, and to the dust we will return, right? So he says, until you, the dust returns to the earth, and the Spirit returns to God. Now this is not a concept of afterlife for Kohelet. All Kohelet is saying is life began with God. He formed man from the dust. And he breathed into him, and he received his spirit. So when he dies, what happens? The spirit goes back to God, and the dust goes back to the earth. The end. So when Colette gets to this point, after this, the high point, the brightest point of his 11 chapters, he's going to walk off the stage, and the narrator is going to step up. The narrator steps up in verse 8, And he's going to say the same thing he said in verse 2. He's going to talk about that philosophy. He's going to say, Vanity of vanities, says Coelette, the preacher. All is vanity. That pretty much sums up his whole philosophy, right? It's meaningless. Hey, have fun while you're young, because one day you're all going to die and rot and go into the earth. And that's all there is. So, squeeze out what you can, and... Have a nice day narrator comes out and says this is the, this is the point of his of, of, of what he has to say in verse nine he begins to talk about him. beside being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. He's, he, he's saying, "Look, he's trying. Colette is trying to teach knowledge, weighing and studying, arranging of proverbs with great care. The preacher Colette sought to find words of delight. And, up wrote, and uprightly, he wrote words of truth. He hasn't, he hasn't lied. Has he lied? When man's born, does he begin to die? Sure. Is man going to live out his life and life's going to be hard? Yes. These are, tr- this is truth under the sun. What has he removed? Any hope that there's anything else? Any hope that there's anything else? He's limited his scope. So here's what he says, the summation, the words of the wise are like goads, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings that are given by a shepherd. Now, track with me. A lot of times we see shepherd and maybe uh, our Bibles have shepherd capitalized, ESV (coughs) capitalizes shepherd, just so you know, that's just the translator's choice. There's not a capital letter there. And there's not a definite article. It's not the shepherd. It's an indefinite. A shepherd. What's he saying? The teachings of the wise are like goads and fixed nails in the hands of a shepherd. What do the wise do with him? What does a shepherd do with a goad? Prods the sheep, right? Get the sheep to go where you want. If sheep's not going where you want, what do you do? Poke them with a goad. Stick them with a sticker. Poke them with something sharp, Right? So the idea, this this narrator is saying, look, the words of the wise, they're like sharp sticks used by a shepherd to guide the sheep. Everybody with me so far? Used by a shepherd to guide the sheep. Then he says, my son. So the narrator is like a father speaking to his son. Okay? My son, beware of anything beyond this. Look, the, the sayings of the wise, these things that we just heard Colette say, they're just sharp sticks to poke you and try to get you to move in a direction in a philosophy that Colette has. So he's saying, "Son, I, I don't want you to, to let these things be that which controls your life." Or you're just a sheep being led by a shepherd with a sharp stick, poking you. Life is empty. Anybody have them thoughts before? Life is meaningless. Anybody ever had that thought before? The sayings of the wise are like sharp sticks used to guide, used to lead, used to move. Beware of anything beyond this. Of the making of many books, there is no end, and much study is weary to the flesh. He's saying, Look, Coelette's thinking is dangerous. Be careful. Be careful. It's like a sharp stick in the hands of a shepherd. Be careful of this philosophy. And there's a lot of books that you can study and a lot of things, rabbit trails you can run down. But only one thing's needed. There's a lot of things that can that can take our focus, but there's one thing that's needed. Look at verse 13. The end of the matter. Basically what he's saying in the Hebrew is enough of kolet, Let me tell you what's really important. The end of the matter. The sum of all its parts. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. He brings a relationship with God back into the equation. While Colette has talked about fearing God in one way or another, never one time in 12 chapters did he say, keep His commandments, follow His teachings. What's another way of saying that? Look at the street signs. Walk in the way. Follow Jesus. Are you guys tracking with me? So when he says, keep the commandments, he's not not saying, here's a list of do's and don'ts, now keep these. He's saying, here's a list of directions. Follow these. Follow the directions. Why? Where do the directions lead? To life? To meaning? They go the opposite way that Koalek goes. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is the meaning of life. God said in Hosea chapter 6, like Hosea 6, 4 through 6, He gives this idea. He said, to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom... What, 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 what do I have to do to you guys to get you to listen? I send my prophets and you don't listen to them or you kill them. I send my judgments and those aren't having the effect. Let me tell you what I want. I want your faithful love, not your sacrifice. I want you to know me. That's what God's looking for. That God has reached through the cosmos, to you and I, to say what God is looking for from us is loyal love to Him, faithfulness, right? Do we look for something different in a relationship on earth? None of us is going, you know what I really need in a husband or a wife is somebody really unfaithful. No, we don't choose that, right? God is saying, I want your faithful love, loyal love, and I want you to know me. Now, aren't those two things that we want, that we see reflected in our lives, in our earthly relationships? Don't you want somebody to know you? Don't you want somebody who understands you, who gets you, who all of those things? I mean, that's a driving force in our life. And God says in Hosea, that's what I want from you. I want exactly what you want, only I want it with you. That's relationship. That's what that is. That's relationship. How do you have a relationship with somebody you never talked to? You don't take the time to read or understand anything they've ever wrote. God has revealed himself to us through his word. How do I know what God wants or has to say to me? I read the letters he gives me. What's that letter? The word of God. The Bible. I pick it up and I look at it. And I can make connection. I can begin to understand him the way he understands me. And we begin to see... A relationship developed. The father, the narrator, is saying to his son, perhaps one of the guys out in the crowd listening to Kohelet's philosophy, hey, this philosophy is dangerous, like a sharp stick. You probably want to stay away from it, understand what that's used for, to direct people in a direction the shepherd wants you to go. And understand this, the meaning of life, it took Kohelet 11 chapters to tell you the meaning of life is nothing, It takes a narrator one line. The meaning of life is to know God. To love Him and follow Him. This is the chief duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. On one hand, he says, there's a meaning in life. The meaning in life is to know God, to love Him and follow Him. And then the second part is, there's more to this life than this. God will judge it all, good or evil. God is, the one, God is the great equalizer of the craziness of life, the randomness of life, the hurtful things in life. Because Jesus declares to us in Revelation, the summation of all things, Jesus declares to us, See, I make all things new. Anything in your life you'd like to be new? Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in my life. I just like to see the Lord wave his hand over and make them new. And Jesus says, that's what I'm doing. When you see me, I'm going to make it new. That's the opposite of Colette's philosophy, isn't it? Colette's philosophy is, life is meaningless. Get what little joy you can get now. Tomorrow you're going to die, and that's the end of it all. But the narrator says... Love God, follow Him, and know that there's more to this life than what meets the eye under the sun. That's the summation of the book of Ecclesiastes. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this time. We can study Your Word. Thank You for an opportunity to open a book, to, to delve in, to, to turn it over and... And uh, God, just try to comprehend and to see the style, the style of the prose, the wisdom literature laid out for us in Ecclesiastes. God, help us to see the the picture of how maybe somebody might do this in a park and, and present this philosophy with a narrator coming up and saying, is this really the philosophy you want to live your life by? Because God wants to know you. God wants you to follow Him, and you can follow Him, and you can know Him. That there is a day when He's going to make make His judgment on every right thing and every wrong thing. There will be a reckoning. Can't you see that that man standing in the park, sharing with the people, giving them an opportunity to say, Is this the philosophy you want to follow, or would you rather follow God? who has revealed Himself through time, who is calling to You, who is saying, I want to know You. I want to know You. I want You to know Me. I love You. I want You to love Me. I want there to be a relationship between You and I. Because there's more to this life than what meets the eye. God, I pray that You would give us wisdom To see, to reconcile, and to understand the word that you're laying out for us, God. And that we would allow that word to be our foundation. Our anchor that keeps us from drifting. That holds us fast to the truth. The truth that you care about us. That you are invested in history. That you are a part of our future. And that there is meaning and purpose in our lives. God, we ask your blessing. We pray, God, you would lead us in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.